It's series 14 of our media cast. Stay tuned for the last 10 minutes where we overview our current, future and past series. This one is on Euro 2024 qualifying. We're looking at Group G, Hungary, Serbia, Montenegro, Bulgaria and Lithuania. Here we go. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada, Series 14, and I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor, and today we are looking at Group G for Euro 2024 qualifying. Uh, this group includes Hungary, Serbia, Montenegro, Bulgaria, and Lithuania. Yeah, so we usually give some information about the media cast at this point, but we're going to save it for the end and uh, jump right into it here. So stay tuned at the end for info about our uh, past and current and future series. Um, uh, meanwhile, let's get on with it. Yeah, so this series features a deep dive into the history of Euro Cup qualifying uh, for each of the teams, and we'll cover the usual information. Yeah, so we'll look at uh, three sections that we'll cover, and part one, we'll introduce the teams in the group. Part two, we'll do an in-depth team-by-team overview. This features a deep dive into Euro qualification history. And part three will be a comparison of the teams, uh, rankings, head-to-head, odds, and a discussion of their prospects and our predictions uh, for the uh, games. All right, so before we begin, tell me something about this group to get our our listeners excited. All right, well, uh, I originally said teams may not be as they seem, and uh, but I just found that a bit too vague, even as a hook. So I'm going to say uh, fallen giants. Fallen giants is the theme of today's uh, uh, group. Yeah, and if you don't know what uh, we're talking about, you'll learn a little bit about it in the in the uh, in part two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's get on with it, and we'll start with an overview of uh, each of the teams. All right. So beginning with Hungary, uh, their nickname is the Magyars which is the name for the country in Hungarian. Uh, Hungary uh, has a population of 9.7 million, and it's a mid-sized European country in Central Europe, and it's uh, landlocked and surrounded by seven different countries, uh, including group mates, Serbia. Right, and it is Serbia that we move on to next. Yeah, their nickname is the Eagles. Serbia has 7.3 million people, um, and it's also a landlocked mid-sized European country uh, located in Southeastern Europe. And it's bordered by eight other countries. And actually, that includes three of the teams in this group, uh, Hungary, Montenegro, and Bulgaria. So they'll be meeting lots of their neighbors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, These are all Eastern European. Uh, Montenegro. Montenegro, their nickname is the Brave Falcons, which is actually one of the better nicknames in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Um, The size of the country is just 630,000 people. Um, And it's a small country in the Balkans and Southeastern Europe. Um, it actually sits on the Mediterranean Sea and is surrounded by Bosnia, Serbia, Kosovo, and Albania. All right. Well, pot number four uh, was uh, Bulgaria. Bulgaria, nicknamed the Lions. Their population is 6.9 million. Um, it's another mid-sized country in southeastern Europe. Uh, it's north of Greece and Turkey, uh, south of Romania, and then it borders Serbia to the west, and the Black Sea uh, is on its eastern border. All right, and uh, finally, uh, Lithuania. Yeah, their nickname um, is Rinktain, uh, the national team. You may not have said that correct. 
their population is 2.8 million people, and they're a Baltic state in northeastern Europe, uh, bordering Latvia, Belarus, Poland, and actually a small bit of Russia that's not connected to the rest of mainland Russia. Wow. Um, so Lithuania is technically the only country located on a, uh, one of Russia's western borders. Wow. Uh, a little tidbit for you. Yeah, yeah, a bit of geographical uh, uh, trivia there. So uh, we've just talked about all five countries, so let's look at them in comparison here. Yeah, so Hungary is the largest country at 9.7 million. Uh, it's followed by Serbia, which is 7.3 million people, and Bulgaria, 6.9 million people. Um, so they're quite similar. Uh, Lithuania is next at 2.8 million people, and the smallest country um, is Montenegro, just 630,000. Um, and all countries, as you mentioned, are located in Eastern Europe. Yeah, that's right. So the pot numbers uh, don't exactly match uh, um, the populations there. Montenegro a bit higher, uh, Bulgaria a bit lower. That's right. Right, so let's begin our history section with uh, looking at Hungary and we'll, we'll talk about their uh, participation and achievements first. So their first international game was in 1902, pretty early, and uh, Hungary joined the, their first World Cup in 1934, so they missed the first one in 1930. They also missed in 1950, but they participated in every one since, uh, as well as participating in every edition of the uh, Euro Cup. So actually, Hungary, uh, following our Fallen Giants theme, they were undisputedly the best team in the world in the early 50s. In both 1938 and 1954, they were in the final of the World Cup and they deserved to win at least one of those to justify their reputation. Uh, England doubted that reputation and invited them to Wembley in 1953 to uh, prove that England was a better team. Uh, and Hungary handed England their first ever home loss, winning 6-2. Wow. Yeah. Uh, furious, the English wanted a rematch, but they uh, went to Hungary and lost that 7-1. Wow. Yeah. A long, a long tradition of English arrogance, you might say. Yeah, and uh, and that's actually kind of come into play uh, recently because they've been meeting more often, but uh, we'll get to that in, in the recent, more recent stuff. Anyway, uh, moving on, sadly, uh, actually, the 1956 revolution in their country uh, slowly weakened them. So they did less well in World Cups from 1958 onwards. Although two quarterfinal finishes in World Cups, as well as two top four finishes in Euro Cups up to 1972, uh, still spoke to some strength. But they stopped reaching Euro Cups after 1976 and World Cups after 1986, and then uh, fell to the bottom half of qualifying tables by the 1990s. But uh, the sad story ends with a glimmer of hope. The 2014 World Cup qualification saw them finish in the top half of the table, and that was a result they repeated in the following cup. And uh, 2016 saw them reach their first tournament uh, since 1986, qualifying for the expanded Euro Cup uh, in that edition and in the next. So pretty interesting history there. Definitely. Yeah, let's take a bit of a closer look at their World Cup. Uh, it's still an overview here. So Hungary was a power was a powerful enough team in 1934 that Bulgaria dropped out of qualification after heavy losses in two games with them. 
they only reached the quarterfinals uh, in that World Cup, but Hungary made it to the final in 1938 where they lost to Italy. They reached the final in 1954 and were fully expected to win over West Germany, having crushed them 8-3 in the group stage. Wow. Uh, but they were taken by surprise and lost their first game in six years, uh, an event which so rattled the country that some argued it led to the revolution against the Soviet Union in 1956. Wow. Uh, that began a slow decline. Uh, Hungary did reach the quarterfinals in 1962 and 1966, but they never passed the group stage after that. Uh, they were a bit unlucky not to reach the cup in 1970 and 74, but they did in the next three. Uh, roughly speaking, group stage can define the level of their strength in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, but 1986 was the last time they reached the cup and the decline continued with third then fourth place finishes uh, in qualifying up to 2010. Reaching a UEFA playoff in 1998 was an exception, but losing to Yugoslavia 7-1 uh, at home in the first leg and 5-0 in the second uh, made it a fleeting improvement. From 2006, though, they grew more competitive in their campaigns and in 2014 finished in the top half of the table. Uh, that was the same result in uh, 2018, uh, though with drop points to weaker teams, and in 2022 they finished fourth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, very interesting team, uh, Hungary. Um, let's uh, take an overview of their Euro Cup history. So they have participated, as we said, in every Euro Cup since its inception in 1960. Uh, they took third place in 1964 and fourth place in 1972. Uh, but those are the only two times they qualified until 2016. Uh, there, they remained competitive in qualification until 1980, but then finished in the lower half of the qualification uh, groups after that. And as in World Cup qualifications, it was invariably third or fourth, except for a poor campaign in 2008, which saw them finishing sixth behind Moldova. In 2016, though, third place was good enough to reach the playoff of the expanded cup, and they beat Norway twice to qualify. Uh, they finished uh, first in a tight group stage, but then lost heavily to Belgium in the round of 16. Uh, they reached the cup again in 2020, despite finishing fourth in their qualifying group. Uh, they entered actually through the back door of their UEFA Nations League results. Uh, and they won a decidedly easy playoff structure, but found themselves in a decidedly difficult group in the cup. And they fell at that stage. We'll actually take a closer look at that uh, a little bit later. So uh, let's delve into the Euro Cup qualifying history. This is our deep dive, and we begin in 1960. Yeah, Hungary's best years had passed when Euro competition started in 1960, but that decline was slow and something of their former greatness lingered. Uh, not in 1960, though. Uh, four years after the Soviets had crushed the rebellion of 1956 um, with tanks in the streets of Budapest, uh, they were knocked out in round one of two by the USSR. Ouch. Do you want to keep going? Sure. In 1964, they bested Wales, then East Germany, to reach the last of three knockout rounds where they twice beat France. They finished third in the four-team tournament for their best result in that competition. 1968 saw them win the, their group stage, but a further qualifying round was necessary to reach the cup. They faced USSR again and won the home leg, but lost by a bigger margin away to fall short. Ugh, USSR again. 
All right, moving on to uh, 1972, uh, that was actually similar, winning their group over Bulgaria and France. Again, that only earned them passage to a playoff where they tied Romania 1-1 at home and then 2-2 away. Uh, goals against was not a deciding criterion and the matter went to a replay in a neutral location which they won to reach the cup again. Unfortunately though, 1972 would be their last appearance until 2016. Hungary remained competitive in 1976, but signs of weakening were apparent in home and away losses to group winner Wales. 1980 was weaker yet, despite going undefeated at home. A single draw in the USSR on the road um, at least condemned their nemesis to a last place finish, uh, but they themselves came second behind Greece. Uh, they finished behind Greece in 1984 as well, uh, this time in fourth place. Right. Well, winning their last three games at home in 1988 uh, saw them finishing ahead of Poland in third place, but uh, behind Greece, actually, for a third time in a row. And uh, 1992 saw only two losses. That was at home to the USSR and away to Italy. But too many draws meant a fourth-place finish, and that would become their landing spot until 2008. Uh, undefeated at home in 1996, but losing all on the road, including in Iceland, uh, saw them finish a point behind third place Sweden in 1996. A home tie with group winners Romania in 2000 was their best result, though a tie with Liechtenstein added to the insult, finishing fourth of six, but taking points from all the teams above them. Um, it didn't improve their table position in 2004, uh, where uh, a surprise Latvia took second place there. You remember that Latvia team, I'm sure. I do, yes. And they were kind of unlucky to be in that group. Uh, Latvia kind of coming out of nowhere there. All right. Well, 2008 was a change, uh, but for the worse, as they sank to their lowest point, four wins, including home and away over fourth place Bosnia-Herzegovina, was a decent points tally and left them just a point out of fourth place. But humiliating away losses in Moldova, who beat them 3-0, and Malta uh, damaged the campaign, and they fell uh, They fell in 6th of 7 uh, behind Moldova. Wow, rough campaign there. You bet. Uh, 2012 signaled a rise in their fortunes. Um, they had a competitive campaign that saw them finish 3rd of 6, 10 points ahead of 5th place Moldova. Uh, for their first finish in the top half of the table since 1988 in Euro Cup competition. Uh, 2016 was slightly inferior with three points fewer, but the expanded cup made uh, made third place an advancing spot, um, at least to a playoff. But Hungary took advantage, beating Norway in both legs to reach their first Euro Cup since 1976. Yay, I'm always kind of hoping for Hungary uh, to recover some of their former glory. And uh, we'll actually uh, move to 2020 by taking a closer look. That's their most recent Euro Cup campaign. So uh, how did they do there? They won all their games at home except for a loss at uh, the third place, uh, Slovenia, uh, beating even group winner um, Croatia in second place, Wales. Right, um, I think that was uh, Slovakia. Was yes, it? sorry, Slovakia. Yeah, you're right. Um, but their only points on the road um, were over last place Azerbaijan. Um, so that let them down. They finished ahead of them in fourth 
place in the qualifying group. Um, but they nevertheless qualified for a playoff spot due to their Nations League record. So they won a semi-final in Bulgaria uh, and looked to be losing the final until a glorious comeback win in Iceland, scoring an equalizer at 88 and a winner at 90 plus 2. Um, so that qualified them for the tournament. There they were drawn in a very tough group um, in the tournament. And after an opening loss in, uh, to Portugal, they did well to tie both France and Germany, um, although it meant last place in their group stage. Wow, what a crushingly difficult group that is, hey? Yeah, they were actually quite exciting. I, I remember Hungary being kind of these unfancied underdogs who really performed above themselves, not necessarily in the first game, but um, they, they contributed to their tournament despite their low points tally. Yeah, and actually I think my graphic is wrong there because they should have had uh, two points in that group. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and uh, do you remember in 2020, the 3-3 three, three tie with Portugal? That was great. Um, in 20 Oh, sorry, 2016. Um, at the tournament, yes, I do. Yeah, they've actually really added to the tournament since they've been there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, we are <laughs> getting confused there. Let's move on to their most recent World Cup tournament uh, in uh, 2022. Yeah, so this is qualification for um, Qatar. Um, they bested second place Poland, tying them 3-3 in the opener at home um, and beating them in the last game on the road. And they also tied group winners England away. However, they lost both games to fourth place Albania, which cost them second place. And they finished third of six in the qualifying group. Um, we'll also mention that they weren't embarrassed by Andorra this time. Um, looks like they yeah. beat them twice, though they had uh, suffered an embarrassing loss to them. Yeah, do you remember when that was? Uh, that might have been 2018 World Cup qualifying. Yeah, and I think they fired their manager after, did they? Or they gave free tickets to their fans or something. They were really embarrassed. Something they ought to have done. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, they are getting better. And let's see how they did in the UEFA Nations League. They were actually in Group A there. Yeah. And perhaps nothing can speak more to their improvement than their performance in, in the Nations League. Like you said, in Group A, paired with Italy, Germany, um, and England, so a crushingly difficult group. Mm -hmm. um, however, they finished second pl place, just a point wow. behind Italy. Um, their uh, campaign included famous wins in England, 4 nothing for them. Wow. Almost speaks to their 1950 result. Um, and also a 1-0 win uh, away to Germany. Um, they did lose both to Italy, which ultimately cost them first place, but uh, a very competitive campaign that will see them competing in Group A uh, once again uh, for the next edition. Yeah, hell of a campaign there. Okay, well, we'll finish uh, just with a, a quick look at their players. So um, their squad is actually far from that of a pot one team. Uh, probably their biggest affiliation, uh, club affiliation, is Leipzig where two players in their 20s are stationed. Uh, another is with Fenerbahce uh, in Turkey, but the rest are with decidedly lower-tier teams, including the biggest teams in their own country. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce these, but I'll give it a shot. Frank Varos and Debrechen. Well Did done. I think you're sound pretty okay. good. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they uh, also got a... Uh, and this is maybe the biggest point. They must deal with the retirement of their two biggest forwards, uh, leaving Roland Saleh as their most experienced scorer 
uh, with 40 caps and nine goals. So uh, we'll have to see how they do offensively here with the retirement of, of two big forwards. Yeah, and we'll come back to that uh, later uh, in the uh, media cast in section uh, three, in part three, but we'll move on here to Serbia. And Serbia's first international game was in 2006. But uh, when we cover Serbia, we kind of have to cover Yugoslavia because they're considered the uh, descendants of the Yugoslavian team. So um, we got to talk through that. So let's uh, begin with their participation and achievements. And maybe if you uh, uh, want to start us off here, Connor. Yeah, so Serbia are the heart of the former Yugoslavia with their 10 million people making up about 40% of pre-1992 Yugoslavia. Um, and they continued under that name when other parts of Yugoslavia, uh, such as Croatia, Macedonia, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina, and Slovenia, uh, when they all broke away. Um, Yugoslavia uh, FR went until the 2002 World Cup when they became Serbia and Montenegro. After the 2006 World Cup, they separated from Montenegro and are now just Serbia. Yeah, so, playing as separate teams uh, in this one. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that meet each other, which is very intriguing. Yeah, yeah. So according to FIFA, the records of the pre-1992 Yugoslav team, the 1992 Federal, Federal Republic of Yugoslavia team, as well as those of Serbia and Montenegro, are considered theirs. Um, so it's basically one continuous history. Um, so the record of all those teams is therefore uh, going to be covered here. Okay, so let's move on with it. Uh, Yugoslavia then entered every World Cup, a record which only Brazil shares. Uh, Yugoslavia FR, though, uh, was disqualified in 1994. That was part of a UN sanction decrying their role in the Slavic Wars. And uh, they participated in 1998 and 2002. And then it became Serbia and Montenegro participating in 2006 and Serbia from 2010 onward. So Yugoslavia also entered every Euro Cup competition until the breakup. Uh, they even qualified for the 1992 Euro Cup amidst the breakup. And uh, that was a, a strange situation. They successfully qualified, but uh, playing in the tournament would have been awkward since they had qualified with Croatian players, but then would be in the cup without them. Uh, anyway, the UN uh, sanction barring their play kind of resolved that problem for UEFA and they were also banned for the 1996 edition. Uh, they participated as Yugoslavia FR in 2000, Serbia and Montenegro in 2004, and then Serbia from 2008 onwards. So in terms of success, um, they had a fearsome though intermittent reputation. Uh, they did particularly well in the early years, uh, up until the mid-1970s. Uh, in the World Cup, they reached the quarterfinals five times and the semifinals twice, including in the first World Cup in 1930. Uh, in Euro Cup action, they took second place in two of the first three cups in the 1960s. Uh, they were less of a force after 1976, except for good showings in the 1990 World Cup, and in both cups by Yugoslavia FR around the year 2000. Serbia and Montenegro reached the World Cup in 2006, uh, and Serbia has reached three out of the four cups since. However, they have not reached the Euro Cup, even the expanded editions in 2016 and 20, so a bit of a disparity there. 
Yeah, and uh, that's by far our longest uh, participation and achievements. Uh, this is a pretty complex team. And uh, to add to that complexity, I think we've said when we covered Croatia that uh, in spirit, at least, Croatia uh, seems more like Yugoslavia than, than Serbia has been. Yeah, particularly with their um, rises and falls and perhaps notable successes as well. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to a World Cup overview. So we'll uh, this uh, will be uh, a bit shorter because we don't want to spend too much time. Um, you want to go ahead on that one? Sure. So Serbia, um, kind of intermittently strong is, is the best way to describe their history. Um, after their semifinal finishes, Yugoslavia in the 1930 World Cup, they did not qualify for the other pre-war, pre-war cups. They returned in 1950 with the group stage finish, um, but had a strong period over the next three cups, passing the group stage every time and finishing fourth in 1962. It was sporadic success after that, failing to qualify three times, but then passing the group stage twice. That included 1990, just before the breakup. Uh, They did so as Yugoslavia FR in 1998, but the best they achieve as Serbia and Montenegro or Serbia was qualification with the group stage exit. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, let's take a look at the uh, Euro Cup overview. And uh, the early years of the Euro Cup illustrates how hot and cold they are. Their best years by far were second place finishes in the first edition in 1960, and then the same result in the third edition in 1968. Uh, and that good period ended with a fourth place finish in 1976. However, in the years in between those successes, that would be 1964 and 1972, they failed to even qualify. And though they never reached those uh, heights again, they continued to qualify for every second cup. And that includes 1992, where they were awkwardly, uh, as we mentioned, awkwardly earned qualification as the old Yugoslavia, but had broken up as a country by the time the tournament came around. So uh, Yugoslavia, as we saw, Yugoslavia FR was also banned in 1996, but they qualified in 2000 and reached the quarterfinals. But that was their last appearance because neither Serbia or Serbia and Montenegro nor Serbia uh, by themselves succeeded in qualifying from 2006 onwards. A bit of a surprise, eh? Yeah, definitely, especially given their uh, their World Cup success uh, and qualification that really does surprise me yeah yeah so still uh, need to make a euro cup all right let's jump into the deep dive then and we'll begin way back in 1960. all right um so yugoslavia joined the first euro cup in 1960 and successfully qualified for the four-team tournament they bested bulgaria in the first of two knockout rounds in the second they lost the first leg two to one to portugal but a resounding 5-1 win in the home leg saw them through. 1964 was three knockout rounds, and they beat Belgium in the first, but were in turn bested by Sweden in the second round, and so did not reach the cup. Yeah. Uh, 1968 was the start of uh, group qualifications, and they advanced thanks to Albania having tied second place West Germany. Uh, Yugoslavia advanced not to the cup, but to a further playoff round where they beat France, thrashing them 5-1 in the home leg. 
uh, reaching their second cup here establish a established a pattern of reaching every uh, second cup, a pattern that continued until 2008. So they went uh, undefeated in the 1972 group, uh, despite tying each team once, including Luxembourg, but they were knocked out by USSR in the playoff round. 1976 saw Yugoslavia easily win the group, uh, a loss in Northern Ireland, their only drop points, and advance over Wales in the playoff. In 1980, they failed, uh, losing their first games, first two games to Spain and Romania. They won all four other games, but finished behind Spain, uh, second place not enough to reach the final, even though the tournament had expanded to eight teams. Uh, 1984 began with a loss to Norway, and despite two draws with Wales, they finished first uh, to qualify. Uh, Wales came second there. In 1988, however, uh, uh, lost his home and away to England, uh, and their second place finish, which was still not an advancing position. 1992 was a solid campaign, even amidst the political turmoil. They won all games except for a home loss to Denmark. However, a UN ban prevented them from playing in the finals. As an interesting aside, it was decided that the spot should be given to second place Denmark, who went on to unexpectedly win the title. Quite the story. And yeah, then in 19, it is. <laughs> 1996, uh, they were banned from the cup. That's right. Well, they returned in 2000 as Yugoslavia FR. Uh, by the way, FR stands for uh, Federal Republic. And they finished in first, one point ahead of Ireland, to whom they suffered their only loss, and two points ahead of Croatia, who they tied twice. In 2004, they changed their, they changed their name uh, mid-campaign from Yugoslavia FR to Serbia and Montenegro, and they went undefeated at home. Uh, in a weird campaign, they, they twice tired... Uh, sorry, they twice tied winners Italy and twice beat second place Wales, but they lost uh, to both Finland and Azerbaijan in that campaign. Yeah. 2008 saw them in a massive group of eight teams and they suffered only two losses over their 12 games, uh, one of them in Kazakhstan. Too many draws, however, meant finishing in third place and they did not advance, uh, the top two did. So this broke their pattern of reaching every second cup. Right, and as we saw, this pattern now is they're not reaching any of the cups. In in 2012, they were bested by Estonia and Slovenia to finish in third place between them. Uh, Estonia, surprise, second place finisher there. And uh, 2016 was a dreadful campaign uh, for the newly expanded cup, uh, a fourth place finish ahead of Armenia there. Uh, besting Armenia... Um, and an away, uh, away win over surprise second-place finisher Albania uh, were their only points. And compounding their misery, they also suffered a three-point deduction for fan behavior in a highly politicized home game with Albania. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they had four points in the end, and <laughs> uh, the team above them, third-place Denmark, had 12. So an utterly miserable campaign there. Okay, let's take a closer look at their most recent campaign, the Euro 2020. Yeah, it started well with an away draw in Portugal, but uh, they ended up being bested by both them and Ukraine, dropping points to both at home to finish in third place, 
uh, only above Luxembourg and Lithuania. Their Nations League performance, however, earned them a place in the playoffs, where they beat Norway in extra time in the semi-finals, uh, where both scored late goals in regular time, uh, and then a late equalizer against Scotland in the final, um, but missing the last shot in the penalty shootout cost them qualification. Um, so a bit of late heartbreak um, in that game. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see whether they make it this time. But I got to say, like in the expanded cup, uh, it's really a disgrace for a team like Serbia to not be making the cup, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, especially with their uh, their World Cup successes, which I know I've mentioned before. But only 13 teams qualify for the World Cup from UEFA and 24 qualify in the Euros. So how they're not making the top 24 is baffling. Yeah, and on that note, we'll move to the 2022 World Cup because it really illustrates what you're uh, what you're saying. Yeah, it was a commanding qualification, suffering only a home draw with Port Portugal and a draw in Ireland to finish first in their qualifying group. They beat Portugal away in the final game uh, to leapfrog them into first place, um, and that actually put them into um, into an automatic qualifying spot. So a huge win. Mm -hmm. um, they were one of the most enjoyable teams. Uh, in the group stage, actually, um, which opened with a loss to Brazil. Um, that was followed by a 3-3 draw with Cameroon. Wow. Um, and then finished with an exciting game with Switzerland, uh, though they lost 3-2 uh, in that one. So a um, couple high-scoring games, but uh, they did finish bottom of the group stage and did not advance. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, so a big uh, difference between the Euro and World Cup records. Uh, let's see how they did in the... Uh, 2022-23 UEFA Nations League. They were in group, or sorry, in League B uh, there. Yeah, the second tier group. Um, and it started poorly with a loss at home to Norway, but that would be the only loss they would suffer, uh, winning four of their remaining five games uh, over Slovenia and Sweden, being the other teams in the group. And they finished in first place with 13 points. So they have been promoted to A and will uh, compete with the big dogs in the next round. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, let's finish with a look at their players. Uh, while they don't have many players with elite clubs, almost all of their starters are with respectable second-tier clubs like uh, Juventus, Porto, Ajax, and uh, Fulham. Only captain Dusan Tadic seems closer to aging out at 34 years old, but actually most starters are in their prime between 26 and 31. Well, they also have a, a number of younger players uh, well-established on the squad, like 23-year-old uh, Dusan Vlahovic. And they also have a lot of youth to choose from, uh, though most of those are with smaller clubs uh, currently. And that brings us to the end of the uh, long uh, Yugoslavia-Serbia section and we'll move on to a much uh, shorter section with Montenegro. Their first international game uh, was in 2007. So uh, we have talked uh, about them. They're part of the former Yugoslavia and along with Serbia they continued as Yugoslavia FR after 1992 uh, when the other parts of Yugoslavia broke away. And as we saw, they became part of Serbia and Montenegro in 2004. But after the 2006 World Cup, they separated from Serbia and are now just Montenegro. So they didn't get any, uh, they didn't actually get the paperwork done in time for the 2008 Euro Cup qualification. So 2010 marks their first entry 
and they have uh, participated consistently in both cups since. So according to FIFA, the records of the pre-1992 Yugoslav team, uh, the 1992 Yugoslavia FR team, as well as those of Serbia and Montenegro, um, are considered partly theirs, but mostly Serbia's. Uh, this is because Montenegro made up only 2.5% of the pre-1992 Yugoslavian population, and less than 10% of Yugoslavia FR and Serbia and Montenegro, so much smaller uh, in comparison to Serbia. Yeah. They are a very small country uh, with a population of uh, just under 700,000. Um, yeah, I think you said 630, which would be uh, more accurate. Yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, well, in terms of achievements, they've never reached a tournament. Uh, their second campaign was their best, reaching a playoff in Euro 2012 qualification, uh, having finished second in the group there. And they did slightly better in World Cup qualification, uh, finishing in the top half of the table there. But they landed in the bottom half of the table in Euro campaigns in 2016 and 2020. And eventually that form caught up with their World Cup play, uh, finishing fourth of six in 2022. All right, well, their World Cup and Euro Cup history is short, but let's do an overview of uh, World Cup. Yeah, so their first campaign in 2010 saw them finish fifth of six. Um, that com although they were competitive in, in many of their games, um, that competitiveness came to more fruition in their uh, second two campaigns, finishing third of six in both. Uh, 2022, though, was a step down, uh, a fourth place finish well behind third. Right, and we saw their uh, World Cup is a bit better than their Euro Cup. Uh, following a poor result in their first campaign uh, in their 2010 World Cup qualifying, they earned their highest result in Euro, 12, Euro 2012 uh, there, finishing second in the group and reaching a playoff. Uh, but while they maintained strong form in the World Cup play, they fell to the bottom half of the table in subsequent Euro Cup campaigns and finished in the bottom half of the table uh, in both 2016 and 2020, uh, failing to reach the tournament, uh, which had been expanded to 2014s, giving them a bit of a better chance. All right, and even the deep dive will be fairly short, so do you want to start us off there? Yeah, so uh, Montenegro um, clearly found their feet in 2012 Euro qualifying, which was the second campaign following a poor result in their first uh, qualifying for the 2010 World Cup. Uh, here they started with three wins and a tie in England, which saw them in first place after four games. Uh, they weakened after that, uh, earning only two, um, two ties over the next four games, but they nevertheless finished second ahead of Switzerland and Wales. Uh, that took them to a playoff where they lost both legs to the Czech Republic. Um, that would be their best finish and closest brush uh, with reaching a cup. Yeah, that's right, because in uh, 2016, uh, they actually did have more opportunity, as we said, because the tournament expanded. And third place would have seen them advance, but a single draw with Sweden was their only result against the top three teams. And while they were fairly consistent with those below, they did suffer a draw in Liechtenstein and finished fourth out of six there. Uh, for 2020, we're going to take a closer look at the campaign. And uh, how, how did they do there? Um, Montenegro actually finished uh, last of five in the qualifying group uh, behind Bulgaria, who they tied twice and meet again here. 
as well as tying third place Kosovo. Um, they actually finished with just three draws and five losses and a goals record of three scored and 22 against, uh, with England and Czech Republic finishing at the top of the group. So pretty poor performance overall. Yeah, that's a really weak performance. Let's see if they did uh, any better in World Cup 2022. Um, Montenegro tied group winner Netherlands at home and also tied second place Turkey away, um, but they lost both of their games to third place Norway to finish fourth of six in their qualifying group. Uh, They tied Latvia at home, which is a bit disappointing, but otherwise won uh, all their other games uh, against the teams below them. Um, That would be Latvia and Gibraltar, uh, who they beat twice. Right, in last place. So a bit better there. Uh, And um, we'll finish with the 2022 UEFA Nations League campaign, uh, 2022-23. And they were in League B there, so uh, pretty respectable league. Yeah, um, Montenegro had home and away wins over Romania, um, which proved to be crucial because they finished um, in third place but tied on points with Romania, um, but a better goal difference. Um, they otherwise failed to win, tying Bosnia at home, but um, losing both to Finland. Um, so kind of an interesting campaign. Seven points, not a bad a bad tally. Um, and they ultimately were, were saved from relegation on goal difference, but it was a really tight group with only four points separating first from last. Yeah, yeah. Uh, almost uh, relegated there, but managed to stay up. So they'll be playing there next time. And we'll finish with a look at their players. So they do have a star in the form of Stefan Savic of Atletico Madrid, but other players play for lesser clubs. Uh, Lazio in Italy, probably the second biggest uh, club affiliation, but but pretty uh, pretty lower tier before. Uh, other than that, uh, age-wise, they do have quite a few players of 29 or older, and the younger ones uh, tend to be 23 or older. So in terms of kind of upcoming promising players, they only have one player uh, below the age of 23. So that seems to be a a problem shaping up um, for a few years down the road. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to our fourth team, uh, Bulgaria. So Bulgaria also has a long history and relatively speaking like Hungary, uh, are kind of in a poor uh, poor point in their history. Uh, Bulgaria's first international game was in 1924, and uh, they entered the first, uh, sorry, they didn't enter the first World Cup, they entered the second in 1934, and they entered all Euro Cups from 1960 onwards. Uh, and actually, they did withdraw from that 1934 World Cup qualification. So their first completed qualification was in 1938. And uh, they didn't enter, as many teams didn't, in 1950, but have participated consistently since. So they have never failed to complete a Euro Cup qualification. Yeah, Bulgaria qualified regularly for World Cups between 1962 and 1998. Uh, but are well known for doing terribly when they get to a major competition. Uh, despite reaching the quarterfinals in 1986, they did show so on the strength of two draws. And in fact, uh, the 1994 World Cup was the only competition in which they won a game. Uh, they did so in style, finishing in fourth place for the best success by far. Their Euro Cup history is fa- far weaker, reaching only two tournaments. Uh, the first coming in 1996, just as their long history of reaching the World Cup was ending. 
Uh, they've never passed the group stage and their successful qualification in 2004 uh, was the last time they reached any cup. Um, so yeah, given that history, we still consider them a bit of a fallen giant because they were much more, um, you know, much more powerful and, and much more regular at competitions uh, than they are nowadays. Yeah, I'm always waiting for them to come around. I mean, they seem like a team that should be making the 24 uh, team Euro Cup tournament since its expansion, but uh, they haven't done so yet. Okay, well, maybe we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves there, but let's uh, take a look at the World Cup uh, in overview. So Bulgaria completed three qualifications before reaching their first World Cup in 1962, but they went on to reach the next four cups in a row, knocking out France in 1962 and both Poland and the Netherlands in 1970, teams that were enjoying strong periods around that time. In those cups, though, they failed to win a single game, though they did earn some draws, and they were invariably knocked out in the group stage. After missing the next two cups, they qualified again in 1986 and reached three of the next four cups. Remarkably, uh, they kept pristine their winless record despite reaching the quarterfinals in 1986. Um, that was on the strength of a lot of draws, as we saw. Yeah. Uh, 1994 is the only cup where they won a game, and they did so impressively. Uh, led by the great Hristo Stoikov, they beat Argentina and Germany wow. along the way to a fourth-place finish. Uh, 1998, however, saw them winless again, and it was the last time they reached the cup. Some campaigns since have been respectable, uh, usually characterized by too many ties, uh, or in 2014, a poor finish after a strong start. Uh, but in general, uh, they grow ever further from the cup, finishing third in their qualifying group from 2002 and fourth since 2014. Yeah, bottom of the table uh, now. So let's take a look at the Euro Cup in overview. And their Euro Cup record is actually less successful. They have qualified only twice in 1996 and 2004. Uh, while 2004 follows their usual pattern of not winning a game and in fact features a humiliating 5-0 uh, loss to Sweden. And 1996 built on their 1994 World Cup success to establish the strongest period in their history, uh, short-lived though it was. A win in the Cup was better than most tournament performances, and they were unfortunate not to advance on the four points that they earned in the group stage. Again, campaigns since were generally respectable, and in 2008 they failed to qualify despite losing just one of their 12 games. 2012, on the other hand, was their poorest and saw them finish last in the table with just one win, uh, albeit in a tough group. The expansion of the Euro Cup to 24 teams in 2016 has not helped them reach it, as here too they have moved from a mid-table team to a bottom-half finisher. All right, now begins our deep dive into Euro Cup qualifying history. Take it away! Uh, Bulgaria were there for the first Euro Cup qualifying, but were knocked out in round one of two, uh, bested by Yugoslavia. Uh, they would not qualify until the Cup expanded to 16 teams in 1964, they exchanged 3-1 uh, home wins with Portugal, and the matter was resolved with the third game, uh, which Bulgaria won to reach round two of three. There they beat France in the first leg at home, but lost by a larger margin in the second, 
uh, and so were dumped out of qualification. Yeah, in 1968, uh, it's actually a good campaign where they were undefeated. Uh, they went undefeated to win a group stage over Portugal and Sweden, but that only advanced them to a final playoff round. Uh, there, they beat Italy 3-2 at home, but lost 2-0 away and went out on goal difference. Um, 1972 featured a home win. Uh, over France, who they finished ahead of in second, but away losses uh, to France and group winner uh, Hungary prevented their progress. Bulgaria tied, um, <coughs> sorry, Bulgaria tied the top two finishers, West Germany and Greece, at home in 1976, but finished third uh, in the group behind both. 1980 was a poor campaign. They bested a terribly performing Denmark, who finished last of five, but they otherwise only won one game to land in fourth. 19, um, 1976, uh, sorry, 1984 was also weak, uh, finishing third behind Yugoslavia and Wales, uh, who they beat at home. Right. Uh, well, 1988 was a solid campaign, and they were in first place after going undefeated in their first eight games. However, losses in the last two games left them one point behind first place Ireland. So uh, only the top team advanced there. So that was uh, that was a close brush with the Euro Cup. And actually, it was the same tight finish in 1992, uh, just two points separating the top four teams. But they came fourth, um, Scotland winning the group and the only team to advance there. In 1996, as the Cup expanded from 8 to 16 teams, um, and coming off a fourth-place finish in the previous World Cup, they won all games at home, including wins over West Germany, but they lapsed after that, losing their last two games, just as in 1988. Nevertheless, they qualified automatically in second to reach their first Euro Cup. Yes, well, unfortunately, 2000 uh, signaled the end of their brief period of strength, finishing fourth in the qualifying group there. Uh, the campaign featured two ties with second place England, but those were their only points against the teams above them. Uh, they bounced back briefly in 2004, finishing first ahead of Croatia and uh, Belgium to reach their second cup, but they lost all games in the cup and uh, they wouldn't qualify uh, again. 2008 was also a competitive campaign, though, in a large group of seven teams. Despite losing only one game, uh, four draws, including two with Albania, uh, left them in third place. Uh, from one of their best campaigns, they went to one of their worst in 2012, where they earned only five points uh, from eight games and finished last of five. Ooh. Well, the Expanded Cup might have afforded room for a team like Bulgaria, but fourth place finishes over the next two campaigns prevented it. Uh, a home tie with Malta, followed by a home tie with Italy, demonstrated their inconsistency um, in 2016, uh, but mostly it was just a weak campaign. And uh, we're going to take a closer look at 2020, but uh, I want to... Uh, ask you about the uh, one interesting detail in this uh, qualification uh, group. Sure, what's that? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, 
I, I mean, tell you, not ask you. Uh, the Norway uh, fielded the youngest ever player in Euro qualification uh, during this tournament. Just 15 years old. Any idea who it was? Um, it was probably Martin Odegaard, who I know kind of burst onto the scene quite young. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, 15 years old. I think 15 and 300 days. So a couple of months off of 16 years old. Wow, a 15-year-old playing in a, a Euro qualifier match. What about that? Yeah, I mean, even people twice his age at 30 wouldn't even be considered old. Yeah. Uh, it's really shocking. <laughs> That's great. Okay, well, we'll finish this section with a look at their recent history, and that brings us to the 2020 Euro Cup. How did they do there? Um, Bulgaria had a surprise home victory over second place finisher Czech Republic, um, but that was their only win, um, and it came in their final game, uh, pulling them out of last place ahead of Montenegro, uh, who they tied twice, and they finished fourth of five in the qualifying group. Otherwise, they only tied Kosovo, um, who finished in third, but they were no match for first place England, who thrashed them heavily in both games. Nevertheless, um, although they only collected six points from eight games, they qualified for a playoff due to their performance in the 2019-20 uh, Euro Nations League, um, but despite being at home, uh, lost convincingly to Hungary. Right, uh, yeah, Nations League. Uh, I think Nations League C teams uh, playing off there to reach the, the final. It might have been Nations League B. Uh, anyway, uh, let's move on to the 2020 World Cup campaign and see if they performed any better there. So their best result was uh, a draw in Italy, um, but they were bested by Northern Ireland, who finished ahead of them, and they traded home wins with Lithuania, uh, who they meet again here, who finished behind them. Um, so they came fourth of five in the qualifying group, uh, generally with a weak campaign, two wins, two draws, four losses. Yeah, Switzerland and Italy finishing on top there. And uh, in 2022-23 uh, UEFA Nations League, they were in uh, League C. Uh, let's see how they did there. Um, Bulgaria finished second, um, but they were full seven points behind first place finishers Georgia, uh, North Macedonia and Gibraltar were the other teams in the group. They actually suffered a, a draw in Gibraltar, not a Ooh. great result. Um, and didn't find, uh, didn't win into their last two games. Those were a 5-1 win over Gibraltar and a 1-0 win over North Macedonia. Yeah, they seemed a bit embarrassed by that because they uh, thrashed uh, Gibraltar 5-1 at home uh, shortly after. Okay, well, let's finish the section uh, on Bulgaria by looking at their players. So, actually, they seem to do an overhaul after their June 2022 game with Georgia. Uh, leaving most players who are 29 years or older off the squad. So what remains is a young squad, uh, with the exception of two forwards in their 30s. Uh, few of these players have any, a club affiliation of note, uh, most of them playing with Bulgarian clubs. However, a few of the youngest players look promising here. 18-year-old uh, Nikolai Ilyev is with Inter Milan, and 22-year-old 20, uh, Ilya Gruev is with Werder Bremen in Germany. And 20-year-old Dimo Krastev is with Fiorentina in Italy. So perhaps they're too young uh, yet to have much impact. But they do offer a lot more promise uh, than Bulgaria has had up to now or even um, 
uh, in recent uh, in recent games. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it uh, it may lead to some hope for a revival if those young players kind of fulfill some of their promise. Um, and I think for Bulgaria, you know, whenever a team is rebuilding as as they might be doing now, it kind of can sometimes lead to a bit of a, a tricky transition period. So we may see that here. Um, on the other hand, they might come away a bit stronger, do unexpectedly well. So it just creates a bit more of an unknown. Yeah, well, we were talking on the weekend about how few uh, kind of under-20 players uh, actually become known names. So, um, you know, these players do look promising, but you never know uh, whether those young players will actually become uh, uh, part of the, an important part of the team. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we move on to our last team, that's uh, Lithuania. And uh, Lithuania actually had their first international game in 1923. Uh, so Lithuania, like the other Baltic states, Latvia and Lithu- uh, Latvia and Estonia, are a much more senior team than most people think. Uh, they entered the World Cups in 1934 and 1938, although they didn't qualify. Uh, and then they became part of the Soviet Union in 1940. So even though they played their first international match in 1923, uh, they, uh, in the new era, their first match was in May 1990. So the draw for the 1992 Euro Cup qualifying had been in February that year, so they weren't able to enter that tournament. Uh, the 1994 World Cup became their first tournament uh, as an independent nation uh, after um after separating from the Soviet Union. Uh, From that time, they've participated in both competitions without fail. But they've never qualified for a major tournament, a distant third in 1996 Euro Cup qualifying, and a close third in 1998 World Cup qualifying, remained their best performances. After that relatively strong start, or restart, I should say, they have always finished in the bottom half of the table. Although, until recently, uh, they finished last only once. All right, let's move on to an overview of their World Cup. Yeah, so Lithuania participated in both the 1934 and 1938 World Cups, as you mentioned, but they were knocked out at the first step of both, uh, losing all games. On their return in 1994, um, so several decades later, they finished fifth of seven in the table, and in 1998, turned in their most competitive campaign, finishing third of six, just one point behind Ireland, who advanced to the playoff. Wow. That would be their only finish in the top half of the table. And in the following campaign in 2002, they turned in their worst performance, uh, earning only two points and finishing bottom of the table. After that, they finished fourth or fifth in their six-team tables until 2022, uh, when they once again finished bottom of a five-team group. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, their Euro Cup overview. And uh, we saw that they didn't make it for the 1992 uh, Euro Cup. So the pattern in their Euro Cup is actually similar to that of their World Cup record. Uh, Their best performance and their only finish in the top half of the table was in their first qualification run in 1996. And there they finished a distant third uh, in their 16 group. Uh, they also they almost repeated this in 2000 as uh, third to fifth place were tied on points, but they came out on the bottom of that pile, so it was a fifth place finish, and they would remain in the bottom half of the table 
uh, for the rest of their campaigns until uh, until today. Their worst campaign was their most recent one in 2020, where they earned only a single point for their first last place finish in Euro qualifying. So we'll take a closer look at that as we do our deep dive into uh, Euro Cup qualifying history beginning in 1996. So 1996 was their first entry into the Euro Cup and turned out to be their strongest campaign. They opened with a win in Ukraine and finished in third ahead of them and Slovenia, who they beat twice. They also tied group winner Croatia, though they lost both to second place Italy. Okay, moving on to 2000. Uh, 2000 saw them in uh, uh, competitive with both Estonia and Bosnia-Herzegovina, and the three tied uh, on 11 points. But uh, Lithuania was on the bottom of the pile due to their worst goal difference. A tie with Scotland in their opening game was, uh, again, as much as they could steal from the top two teams there. In 2004, they beat Scotland and earned a draw in Germany, um, but two losses to Iceland meant finishing in fourth place behind them. Uh, opening with a good result became something of a pattern when they tied in Italy in 2008 qualifying. They also beat Ukraine, but finished fifth of seven in the group, uh, all other points coming from consistent wins over the teams below them. Yeah, well, 2012 continued that tradition of starting well uh, with a tie against Scotland here, just like they did in 2000. But uh, following that up with an away win over group uh, winners Czech Republic, so actually two good results to start with. After that, though, they managed only a home draw with Liechtenstein, who beat them away, uh, though they did finish ahead of Liechtenstein, uh, fourth or fifth in that uh, campaign. Uh, 2016 saw them competitive with uh, fellow Baltic state member Estonia, who had impressed by finishing second in their group in the previous campaign. The two exchanged home wins here, and they finished tied on points, but Lithuania finished in fifth behind them due to a worse goal differential. All right, and we will move on to 2020, uh, taking a closer look at it because it's their most recent campaign. And uh, I think we said they had a bad campaign here, right? Yeah, they definitely did. It was a very weak campaign, uh, finishing last in the qualifying group, uh, fifth of five, uh, managing only a home draw with Luxembourg, who finished ahead of them in fourth, uh, having beaten them away. Oh, um, no. Ukraine, Portugal, and Serbia were the other teams in the group, um, and they ended with a goal record of five, five goals and 25 against uh, over eight games. Yikes, that's a pretty bad showing. Uh, okay, let's see if they did any better in their World Cup 2022 campaign. Uh, Lithuania manages a single win at home to Bulgaria, and those are their only points. Uh, they lost all their other matches um, and finished last of five in the qualifying group. Uh, Switzerland, Italy, and Northern Ireland uh, all beat them twice. Yeah, well, in fairness, that was a tougher group than in 2020. Uh, let's uh, finish with a look at their 2022-2023 uh, UEFA Nations League campaign. They were in uh, League C there. How did they do? Well, um, this was perhaps um, the exclamation mark on their recent decline. Um, they managed just a single point among fellow League C teams. That was a home draw with Faroe Islands, um, but they lost to them away and also lost twice to Luxembourg um, as well as Turkey. So they've actually been relegated to League D 
um, which pits just a few of the weakest teams in Europe. Oh, my God. You know, when I came up with uh, Fallen Giants, I wasn't particularly thinking of <laughs> Lithuania, but turning out like they're, they're, they're turning out to, to fit the bill immediately here. Yeah. Immediately, I should say, uh, to a T. Uh, anyway, players, let's finish with their players. So about half the squad plays in Lithuania and the other half play for clubs, honestly, whose names are barely recognizable. Uh, Hapoel Tel Aviv is the biggest of these, uh, apart from uh, some glimmers among their younger players. So uh, they do have a 25-year-old keeper, uh, Marius Ad Ad Adamonis, uh, who plays for Lazio in Spain. And then three players, uh, 20 or younger, are with Torino in Italy, uh, Lodz in Poland, and Kalmar in Sweden. I'm sorry, I said Lazio in uh, Spain there, but it should have said Italy. Uh, so, though these are not really renowned clubs, they are a bit of a step up uh, from most of the other older team members. Yeah, um, sometimes uh, club affiliation can be a bit of a proxy for strength. Yeah. Um, in this case, it, it kind of rings true because there's really um, not a lot to speak of. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I hate to put too much emphasis on that because it almost seems a bit elitist, but it does kind of give an indication of, of uh, you know, how they are. If big clubs are interested in them, then they're probably the stronger players on the team. All right, well, that brings us to the end of uh, uh, the long histories there. And uh, we move on to part three. Uh, we're going to actually begin with the uh, pots that they come from uh, to get a sense of... Uh, this also gives us the strength of uh, how strong the group is uh, on the whole. Do you want to take it away there? Yeah, so the pots were not decided by FIFA rankings. They were decided by um, UEFA Nations League performance. So Hungary's strong performance saw them as a pot one team. Um, I mean, they do seem to be probably, you know, the weakest team in terms of FIFA rankings among the pot one teams, but they were ranked eighth uh, overall in Europe based on, again, a very strong Nations League campaign. Mm -hmm. um, Serbia come from near the bottom of pot two. Um, moving on to pot three, Montenegro also were um, seventh out of 10 teams there in terms of rankings. Um, next, we have Bulgaria. They were third bottom in pot four. Um, and then finally, Lithuania, they were from the middle of pot five. So overall, based on where these teams come from in their pots, um, none of them are really from the top half of their pots. So you have to say it's it's a weaker group overall um, in terms of where those teams have come from. Yeah, yeah. Pretty interesting uh, analysis there. But yeah, you'd have to say on the whole that this is one of the uh, weakest groups that we have. Yeah. So maybe an opportunity for uh, uh, a weaker team to make it back to the cup. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry. Okay, let's move on to their FIFA rankings. As you said, uh, their pot placement was based on their European uh, thing. So we'll just focus on their FIFA and ELO rankings here. Yeah, so um, I mentioned Hungary being kind of the weakest pot one team. And it's really backed up by their FIFA ranking, which is 36. That would put them normally nowhere near a pot one placement, uh -huh. um, despite some good performance. Um, the ranking is 36 in FIFA, 19th in ELO. It's actually shown a bit of a steady rise from kind of the 50s uh, from December 2017. 
um, though in December 2015, they were 20th in FIFA, um, coinciding with a, a good run in that European Cup. Yeah, so up and down over the past 10 years, as well as over the, over their, their whole history, although really it's kind of a history of decline. Yeah. Serbia's recent um, history is, is one of at least uh, some improvement, according to their rankings. They're 29th um, in uh, FIFA and 21st in ELO, so right around kind of where Hungary is. Um, those Both those numbers are actually recent improvements, um, likely based on reaching the last World Cup. Um, they spent most of the time in kind of the 30s and 40s, even the 50s in FIFA ranking um, over the past 10 years. But again, steady improvement for Serbia. Yeah, kind of interesting that they're uh, seven points below Hungary. Uh, oh, sorry, ahead of Hungary in the FIFA rankings, but actually a couple of points below them uh, in ELO. So I'm sure we'll bring that up in our discussion. Yeah, um, then to Montenegro, they're 69th in FIFA, 73rd in ELO, so a drop down from the top two. Um, they actually were as high as 43rd in FIFA in June 2018, um, but since then have kind of fallen, and kind of the 60s to 70s is where they've been in both ranking systems for the past several years. Yeah, and I think actually at the beginning, uh, uh, before 2012, they were uh, a lot higher. So, um, again, I wasn't thinking of them as a fallen giant, and they're really not. But they did start a lot better uh, um, as a team and then kind of progressively uh, sank. So I, I'm, I'm feeling better and better about our fallen giant team. Yeah. Here. Yeah. How about Bulgaria? Uh they're 71st in FIFA and 78th in ELO, so just slightly behind Montenegro um, in both those systems. Um, they've been in the 70s for a little while. They did kind of have this brief peak to 46th and 49th uh, in December 2018, but that seems a bit of a blip, uh, as was a blip kind of in June 2013 when they spiked to 46th uh, and 40th again. Yeah, I mean, we're really just looking over the past 10 years here, but we know that uh, both Bulgaria and Hungary have been much stronger teams uh, in their past. And finally, Lithuania, who uh, uh, we've seen an awful drop-off, that must show up in the rankings too. Yeah, it absolutely does. They went from a team that was kind of around the hundreds, 90s, hundreds in both systems, and they steadily fall into 144th. Um, in FIFA and 151st in ELO. So that's that's a, a drop of about 50 places. Um, and yeah, what we'd expect based on their recent form. Yeah, yeah, really dropped down to uh, the bottom of the, uh, of the European teams here, but they have been much stronger in the past. All right, let's move on to the head-to-head. Uh, -head. So you're going to kind of give us the record and I'll add any details that... Uh, 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 in about recent games or important games that they've played. Sure. So Hungary and Serbia um, haven't met, uh, certainly not as Serbia, um, nor has Hungary met Montenegro, um, but they have met Bulgaria many times, um, Hungary winning uh, eight, losing or drawing one and losing just two, so a superior record over Bulgaria. Yeah, I'll go over uh, some of the history here because they both have long histories. They met in the 1934 uh, World Cup qualifying. Hungary won both of those, no surprise back then. And uh, 1962 World Cup group stage, Hungary won 6-1 
and in 1966 group stage Hungary won 3-1 and uh, most recently they've met in the 2020 uh, Euro Cup qualifying that was a playoff round one of two and uh, that was in Bulgaria but Hungary won 3-0 so uh, um, really Hungary getting the better of them most of the time. Yeah interesting to see that that long of a history. Yeah. Um, Hungary's uh, record with Lithuania um, is shorter they've only met twice and it was a win and a draw for Hungary. That's right and that was back in uh, 2002 World Cup qualifying. Okay, let's take a look at Serbia, which uh, includes some of Yugoslavia's uh, records. Yes, we'll talk a bit about Yugoslavia. Um, Yugoslavia uh, has a better record uh, over Hungary. Uh, they met twice, and Yugoslavia won both. Yeah, I've actually thrashed them. That was in the 1998 World Cup uh, qualifying in a playoff. And uh, hung, uh, Sorry, Yugoslavia thrashed Hungary twice, 7-1 and 5 nothing. Yeah, interesting. Um, between two fallen giants. Yeah. Um, Serbia and Montenegro haven't met. Of course, they were part of the same country for, for many years. Serbia and Bulgaria haven't met. But Yugoslavia did meet Bulgaria. Um, they have a record of three wins, two draws, and one defeat. Yeah, again, this is kind of deep history. So 1960 and uh, 1986 uh, were their biggest meetings. I won't go into detail, though. Yeah, Serbia and Montenegro together... Um, have played Lithuania or played Lithuania twice, Serbia win Serbia Montenegro winning both. Right, that was in 2006 World Cup qualifying. And then they Serbia has met Lithuania um twice more. Um and that was in uh 2010 and 2020. They have three wins and one defeat. Uh yeah, I think we got the graphic wrong there. Uh but yes, three wins and one defeat. Yeah. All right. Well that is uh Serbia. Let's see. Uh we're kind of ordering them in 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 terms of the winning teams here or the higher ranked or uh, higher pot teams so uh montenegro and bulgaria how have they uh fared they have an interesting record of one win four draws uh and one defeat um or that's for montenegro so i guess uh, an even record of one win each from six games yeah and that's all recent from 2010 onwards and most recently in 2020 uh euro cup qualifying where they tied twice so really even uh, record there and then bulgaria and lithuania they have an even record and that's super recent uh that's a win apiece yeah 2022 uh world cup qualifying there and uh each winning at home uh, yeah, so uh, that actually kind of shapes up to make an interesting group since uh, the teams uh, seem fairly even in their head-to-heads. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to uh, the odds that the uh, that the odds makers are giving them. So Hungary, the pot one team, we saw that they're slightly lower than Serbia in the rankings, um, and that's actually reflected in the odds. Serbia are given a fifty-eight percent chance of winning the group and Hungary 40 percent so the odds makers favoring pot two Serbia there yeah um Montenegro have just a seven percent chance to win the group that's higher than Bulgaria's two percent and also higher than Lithuania's one percent all right do you agree with the rankings or oh, sorry the odds I should say um it's it's an interesting one with Hungary um they've um, being very competitive with some, some top teams, including both at tournament finals and at the Nations League.
but they haven't always been consistent against middle teams. So I think they face a bunch of middle teams here, which is kind of interesting whether they can kind of raise their game because they have had some some disappointing results as well for as many good results as they've had. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I agree. Fourth place finishes in their last two qualifying campaigns. Uh, um, it, it's all well and good to to do well against teams like Germany and uh, England, but you know, you gotta you gotta do well against teams like this, and they haven't uh, been that good there. Yeah, so I do worry about their consistency. Um, Serbia are coming off a really strong um, World Cup qualifying campaign. Um, so I, I maybe favor them a, a, a little bit. Um, I do see the Serbia and Hungary as being the top two teams in this group, but yeah, potentially right. vulnerable um, to um, to a really good or, or kind of comeback performance from, from one of the teams below. Yeah, we'll just uh, uh, finish off on that topic. Uh, I personally think Serbia is a bit higher uh, than Hungary, the 58 to 40. I guess that that is higher. Um, I, I definitely think Serbia is going to win this group. It's shocking that they haven't uh, uh, reached a Euro Cup qualifying, but I think they'll uh, correct well correct that here, at least by finishing second. But I would expect them to finish first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, those, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I would probably slightly favor Serbia, but I think it will be, will be a little closer. Um, I okay. do think Hungary are, are well capable of turning in a good campaign here. Ah, always good to have a bit of disagreement on on the (laughs) podcast. Uh, Do you see any of those teams uh, maybe doing a bit better than the below 10% uh, expectation giving them? Probably not to win the group. Um, It's difficult to say. Like, I I do see Lithuania and Bulgaria as both on a decline. um, And I don't really see enough signs that that's going to be arrested here. So that I do think Montenegro, I mean, 7% isn't great, but it's three and a half times more than what Bulgaria is. And I, I do think Montenegro are the likeliest uh, third place uh, finishers here um, and the most likely possibly of upsetting the established order. Oh, I got to disagree with you there. Uh, I guess, you know, maybe because of the history, I, I, I'm i just waiting for Bulgaria to make a, a bit of a comeback uh, to the of the top half of the group. I mean, one of these three has to uh, emerge, right? Because they'll be playing each other. So one of them is going to come out ahead. A um, uh, again, maybe I'm a bit more history-oriented, but I think it's going to be uh, Bulgaria. I used to consider Montenegro a bit of a black box uh, because they started their qualifying so well, but they've been pretty weak since. And uh uh, I, I, I don't see much of a chance of, of kind of a, well, they have no form to come back to, let's put it that way, really. Whereas uh, Bulgaria, I think, um, have a chance of coming back to form the way uh, Hungary has come back to form in recent years. Yeah. Interesting that Bulgaria did finish ahead of Montenegro in the 2020 Euro Cup qualifying. So they both were the bottom two finishers in the group. So even with that, both teams can improve. Yeah, how about Lithuania? Do you give them any sort of a chance? They've been so ghastly lately. Uh, I don't think so. And I think the most recent Nations League results, bested by Faroe Islands um, and losing to um, twice to Luxembourg, I believe it was, I, I think they're really in the category of, of kind of the weakest teams in Europe. Um, I mean, perhaps capable of some points here, but I don't see them moving off bottom 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really like more and more as we've gone through the podcast, our Fallen Giants theme. Uh, Lithuania was kind of a mid-table team uh, for a while, so there's a chance of them uh, making a bit of a comeback here. But as you say, it's been so grim in the past uh, little while that uh, it's it would be kind of a big turnaround now. I mean, I think in time they've got to come out of League D and be a bit better than they are. But uh, yeah. Yeah, no real sign of it. Uh, okay, well, uh, are we ready to move on to the um, uh, prediction, or do you have uh, a bit more to add? No, I think that's it. Um, you normally try and nail me down on my... Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll expect that, and I'll, I'll preempt it. Um, I do <laughs> think... Um, actually, I'll, I'll go different. I'll say maybe Hungary to win the group, just to be different from you. I think it'll be close with Serbia. I think Montenegro third, Bulgaria fourth, Lithuania last. Yeah, I do have a couple of details to add in terms of players. I think uh, I think it's a big loss that uh, Hungary have lost uh, two of their forwards. These were the forwards that actually got their winning goals against uh, England and Germany, and they're gone now. That's one of the reasons I, I pip uh, uh, Serbia uh, well above Hungary here. Um, so I'm going to go Serbia-Hungary. And sorry, I think you said your bottom three, but I, uh, what did you say for them? I said Montenegro third. Right. Okay, uh, and I'm uh, choosing Bulgaria third, kind of uh, uh, banking on a bit of a comeback. Yeah, and then I think we both had Lithuania last. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, there we go, and we will see uh, how that turns out. Actually, this turned out to be a lot more uh, interesting a group than, than I initially saw when I first saw it. I mean, we did see that it was a fairly weak group, but these are, are fairly interesting teams, all capable of coming back to better form. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's finish by looking at the games that have been played. So uh, Connor knows the results of these games, but I've been holding off uh, for this media cast so that I could actually make a valid prediction. So uh, what do we have for the first round that was in uh, March? Yeah, so the first match was Bulgaria home to Montenegro. So um, perhaps seeing if one of these teams could take an early edge, what do you predict? Yeah, well, this actually puts to the test our uh, discussion, although Bulgaria being at home uh, have the advantage anyway. But uh, I've picked uh, Bulgaria to be third and you've picked Montenegro. Uh, so I'm going to go. Um, uh, they have an even record over six games between 2010 and 2020. So uh, it seems pretty even here. But I'm going to go with Bulgaria 2-1 at home. Uh, in fact, it was Montenegro winning one nothing. Ooh! So uh, a feather in my cap. Yeah. I'll take that. That's right. Well, that's uh, 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 Bulgaria not coming back to form uh, as I hoped they would. Uh, we also have uh, the second game. Yeah, Serbia are at home to Lithuania. What do you see here? Well, I picked uh, Serbia to win the group, and I think at home. Uh, um, uh, for me, this is top against bottom with the top team at home. So I'm going to say pretty one-sided, two nothing, or shall I go three nothing, three nothing Serbia? Ah, it was two nothing. Oh, that's what I originally had. But a, a comfortable win nonetheless. It is, yeah. Okay, so that puts uh, Serbia on top after the first round, but they played a, uh, another round 
a couple of days later. What do we have there? Yeah, so we had Hungary versus Bulgaria. Right, and Hungary didn't play in the first round. And uh, yeah, this is really a key game between two really history teams. And uh, we saw in the head-to-head -head that H has a winning history uh, there, uh, there at home here too. Um, but I don't think they're going to be uh, scoring as much as they were. So I'm going to go one nothing Hungary. Uh, it was a win for Hungary, but it was three nothing here. So well, so um, much for so much for my predictions. Hey? <laughs> That's a matchup that goes back to the 1930s. Uh, so very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, finally, well, oh, sorry. Bulgaria, uh, yeah, Bulgaria, really not living up to my uh, expectations here. Yeah. Then we have an interesting one: Montenegro home to Serbia. A lot of uh, political history between those two. Yeah, their first kind of official meeting since uh, uh, since separating as a country. Again, I'm uh, picking Serbia to win this group, and I think they have the strength to win away here. Um, Montenegro have had some good points in their history, but I think they're a pretty weak team now. Two one Serbia, uh, and Serbia did get the road win. Two nothing was the final result. So Montenegro, I didn't think that was a good opportunity for potential upset, mm -hmm. um, but that uh, did not come to pass. All right. Well, uh, how does that leave the table? I guess uh, Serbia well on top, eh? Yeah, Serbia two wins from two. Hungary have won their only game. They have three points. Montenegro win and a loss, and then Lithuania and Bulgaria both winless. Right. So uh, still no kind of um, no kind of trend on. Uh, what we thought, you picked Hungary to win the group. I picked yeah. Serbia, but they both won their game. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to see how they do down the road. Uh, we have uh, a few games. Uh, well, June is the next game, and you can uh, predict on those since they haven't happened yet. What do you think with Lithuania and Bulgaria? Yeah, Bulgaria proven a little bit weaker than expected so far, um, but I still think they'll beat uh, a very weak Lithuania. Um, I think this is. Lithuania's best chance for points, so it'll be close, but I'm going to say 2-1 Bulgaria. Yes, and uh, i got to say, I think I would have said that at the beginning of the campaign, but uh, given that Bulgaria have looked kind of weak, I think I'll go with 1-1 uh, uh, here, maybe 1-1 one, one favouring Bulgaria. Yeah. All right, we also have Montenegro at home to Hungary. Yeah, um, a big game for Montenegro to try and... Uh, uh, Kind of pull back into the race for uh for a qualifying spot um i think they'll be competitive here but um hungary did put three away in their first game i think hungary will um will win again they're my predicted group winner so i'm going to say two nothing yeah i mean i agree with you and as far as i think hungary and serbia will uh will dominate the group i think uh, as you seem to be saying uh, there is a possibility of a bit of an upset here of montenegro getting something out of the game but I'd have to go 2-1 Hungary uh, also. All right. well, maybe I'll go one nothing Hungary because of my forwards theme that uh, uh, Hungary has uh, <laughs> less offense. So I'll go one nothing Hungary. All right. Well, we'll see how those play out. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the uh, media cast here. So great talking to you about this uh, group, the Fallen Giants group. And uh, any closing thoughts there? No, I mean, I think this is an opportunity for, you know, really all five of these teams. Um, you know, none of them are consistent qualifiers for the Euros, so it's a good opportunity. 
even for the weaker teams, this is possibly as good as a draw as they might get. Um, so yeah, interesting to see which giants will reemerge. Yeah, That's definitely an opportunity for a couple teams here. All right. Well said. That was a good closing, and we will see you again for uh, Group H. See you next time. All right, we'll finish the podcast today with a look back on what we have covered until now, with a particular focus on which media casts are still relevant. Uh, following that, no way, prior to that, we're going to look at what is upcoming over the rest of the year, because I think that uh, may be of more interest. So uh, we'll put a graphic up with all of this information, both uh, past, current and present, on the YouTube version. And we'll also include it in the show notes. So um, let's take a look at upcoming series. So right now we're on series 14. And I'll give a bit more information about that too. But Series 15 will be a shorter version of Series 14, the uh, 2024 Euro Qualifying Series. So rather than the detailed history, uh, it'll have a short summary of each team in the group and a section on their recent form. So from there, uh, Part 3 of Series 14 Uh, will be the same in both the short and long series. That's a comparison of teams through rankings, odds and head-to-head records, as well as Kevin O'Connor's discussion and ending with a review of the first two sets of games that were played in March 2023. Uh, After this uh, Euro 2024 qualifying, 16 and 17, series 16 and 17, will be a preview of the 2023 Gold Cup Uh, That tournament is set to start on June 24th, 2023, so we plan to put out uh, those podcasts or those media casts in late May or early June. So Series 16 will focus on the groups and teams, and Series 17 will focus on the players of each team. Uh, Qualification is actually taking place through the CONCACAF uh, Nations League currently, uh, but we don't intend to do a series on qualification for the CONCACAF Gold Cup there. Uh, during the summer, we are planning a series on uh, CONMEBOL, that's a South American World Cup 2026 qualifying. That begins in September 2023. Uh, we also may get an early start on Asian Cup 2023, uh, although that's due to start uh, later in January 2024. Uh, In the fall, we're going to preview the early rounds of AFC World Cup 2026 qualifying. Uh, That'll take place in October and November, so we'll do it uh, prior to that. And this will actually give us a first look at some of the weaker teams in the Asian region, which we haven't covered uh, yet. Uh, Also, we will preview the 2023 African Cup. Uh, It is called that, even though it's due to start in January 2024. So those are the upcoming series, and now let's take a look at our current series, so the current media cast. We call it a media cast because it's available with visuals on YouTube, and it's available as a podcast, uh, and you can find it on most podcast catchers or on our website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. We'll also put up a graphic uh, uh, with that on it. So the current series is Series 14, and that's a preview of the groups in Euro 2024 qualifying. And this gives us a chance to get to know teams that uh, don't often make it to the tournaments. So it features a deep dive into the Euro Cup qualifying histories of the team. 
And uh, we started actually after the first round of games in March 2023 to make it a bit more interesting. So as uh, mentioned, we'll follow that with uh, Series 15. That's a shortened version of Euro 2024 qualifying because um, some members of the audience don't want such a deep dive. Now, let's look back at our previous meeting cap series. I think it's still relevant to various degrees. And, uh, well, they tend to be relevant uh, in reverse order. So we'll actually kind of go uh, backwards in time here. So series 10 to 13 were all based on the 2022 World Cup. Series 10 was an eight-part group-by-group preview of the 14 groups in the tournament. It featured a deep dive into the World Cup finals history of each team. Series 11 was a 32-part team-by-team preview of players in World Cup 2022. So we didn't know at the time which players would be selected. So we went through uh, the candidates for each position and gave information about them. So that'll still be relevant for a lot of the teams. Uh, Series 12 actually featured uh, shortened versions of each of Series 10 and 11. So a shorter version on the teams and on the players. And then Series 13 was a 25-part review or uh, update of the Team by Team uh, Players podcast. And it was published after the teams had selected their squads for the finals. So it went through the candidates that we had discussed in Series 11 and introduced any new players that made it to the final squad. Unfortunately, we we ran out of time before finishing all 32 teams. And I particularly regret that in the case of Ghana because they brought a lot of new players in that were not considered in our Series 11 preview uh, of the Ghana players. Anyway, these World Cup podcasts, especially the player ones, are still relevant because the squads haven't changed that much. Uh, We will be doing future player podcasts before each major tournament. So uh, going back before that, Series 9 is actually probably the most relevant. It was a 12-part preview of the uh, African Cup 2023 qualifying groups. Um, It's still called African Cup 2023. It was originally set to take place that year, or this year, I should say. But now it's been moved to January 2024. Um, So qualification games were also postponed and uh, the qualification is still unfinished. So uh, as I said, that makes it uh, still quite relevant. Series seven and eight were both based on the 2021 African Cup, which took place in January 2022. Uh, That's good for a look at some of the smaller African teams who made it to the expanded cup. Uh, Series 7 was a six-part overview of the teams in African Cup 2021, uh, or in 2022. It's confusing. (laughs) It's still called African Cup 2021, but it took place in in January 2022. Uh, While the overviews were repeated in Series 9, this did feature, uh, feature a deep dive into the African Cup Finals history of the participant. Um... Okay, uh, Series 8 was a 24-part team-by-team preview of the players for the African Cup. Uh, For the African teams that made the 2022 World Cup, uh, the player podcasts will be updated. 
uh, but for the smaller teams they won't be so for many teams it remains the uh, most relevant and uh, it has soccer information that doesn't seem to exist uh, in other media accounts as far as I know Okay, uh, I'm moving back before that, Series 4 and 6 uh, focused on the CONCACAF regions, specifically the 18 final round of qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. Um, series 4 was an eight-part look at each team and their players in the final round, and it featured a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualification history. It also had a team-by-team -team preview of the players uh, in CONCACAF there. Uh, it really should have been a separate series number, to be honest. But nevertheless, the current players on the squad were examined uh, for each of the eight teams. Uh, series 6 was a mid-round update of that CONCACAF uh, 2022 World Cup qualifying campaign. So uh, Series 4 and 6 kind of go together. Okay, Series 5, that's in between the two CONCACAF series. Um, was a preview of the Asian uh, World Cup qualifying final round. So this was just a two-part series on each of the 16 groups that made it to the final round of World Cup qualifying in the Asian region. So this remains relevant for all Asian teams that didn't reach the World Cup, but for Iran, Japan, South Korea and Saudi Arabia, uh, Series 10 uh, in their World Cup um, introduction is more current. Series 3 was a four-part preview for the groups for Gold Cup 2021 in the CONCACAF region and this remains relevant for some of the smaller teams in the tournament but again those who participated in the World Cup um, uh, were updated um, after that. Series 2 uh, was a two-part preview of the groups for Copa America 2021 in the South American region. So that again remains relevant for the smaller teams in the region, but the teams that made the World Cup were updated in Series 10. And our first series uh, was a preview of the 2020 Euro Cup played in 2021. Again, uh, teams that reached the 2022 World Cup were updated there. Um, and it, it did feature a deep dive into uh, Euro Cup Finals history. So, um, uh, again, for the smaller teams that uh, we haven't covered since, it remains relevant. Okay, I think that brings us to the end. So, uh, keep your eye out for the graphics on the show notes or uh, on the YouTube. And I hope to join us for the upcoming series and uh, even go back and review some of the old series until we update them again. Bye-bye.